So, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Um, and we are in Genesis 23. Now, um, I will say of uh, all the passages that we, we've looked at in our study of Genesis, this, this is one that uh, I've, I've struggled with, not because it's hard to understand, um, but it's, it's a narrative that's quite long, but it seems unnecessarily long. Um, chapter 24 will be similar to that. Um, I, I finally, I've, I've, I'm, I'm a little, little bit ahead in, uh, in my notes. And uh, um, chapter 24 is the longest chapter in Genesis, and it doesn't need to be. Right? Um, and uh, chapter 23 is like that. So the narrative really slows down. But what you're essentially getting here in chapter 23 is the end of the Abraham-Sarah narrative. Now, Abraham will die later, right? He sticks around for over 30 years after Rachel, uh, uh, Sarah's death. But the story starting in chapter 24 uh, transitions to the story of Isaac and Rebekah. So chapter 24 is when uh, Rebekah uh, is taken from Mesopotamia and brought to Canaan, and Isaac and Rebekah get married. Um, and so Abraham plays a very small role in chapter 24. So, so we are coming up on the end of, of the Abraham story. Um, so last week, we made it up to verse 2 of chapter 23. You remember we looked at the, Rebecca's genealogy? Um, so Rebecca, I, I could have this wrong. So Rebecca's grandmother or grandfather is Isaac's great-grandfather, I think is how it worked. Right, and so chapter twenty-two ends with the introduction of Rebecca. Just to let the reader know this is where we're going. Chapter twenty-three is all about the death and burial of Sarah. So we saw that she dies in verses one and two, and in verses three to sixteen are the arrangements of Sarah. Now remember, Sarah is the only female in the Bible that gets an entire narrative of her burial, and she is the only woman in the Bible whom God changes her name. So this is a pivotal moment in the early history of the Hebrew people. Okay? And, and so, uh, so the story goes from Abraham, the initial mourning of his loss. We spent quite a bit of time of, of uh, why we have funerals and a right way to mourn and why we bury and all that sort of stuff. Um, and a lot of that is still applicable with what, what it is we have here today. So, but here, Abraham is essentially buys land to bury his wife. Um, I was thinking sort of like what, how stressful a situation that must be. Your wife passes away and you realize, I have nowhere to lay her the rest. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that. Um, and, and we also have to think that we as Americans think very differently than Abraham and the other ancients would have. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, you bury while looking to the future. Now, usually what happens is your tribe, your family from generations past are on this land and generations future will be on this land as a general rule. Right? Well, that doesn't apply to Abraham. Uh, he's from Ur, Mesopotamia, but he's in Canaan. And so he buries not looking to the past. He buries looking to the future. Uh, and this is why he has to buy land because he wants his his children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on and so forth, to be buried with him, right? We do the opposite here. Think, I was thinking about this this, this week. Um, if something were to tragically happen to my wife or me, there's a good chance she and I uh, would be buried in Ointon. I've not lived in Ointon for nearly 20 years. 
But why, 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 why would we do that? Well, we would go back to our hometown. That makes sense. Frankfurt has a large percentage. I'd be interested to see what the statistics are compared to other counties. We have a large percentage of citizens who didn't grow up here. And uh, in fact, I bet if we looked around, there's a good chunk of us didn't grow up here, right? There's, Ash- there's two of them here. Yeah, Owen County, right? I'm from Owen County. Ashland, Tadpole Holla, right? Um, uh, uh, you, you grew up in you grew up in Frankfurt, didn't you? Yeah, because because well, I know your father-in-law did. Uh, um, uh, Eastern Kentucky, bless your heart. Um, he uh, uh, BJ back there is from north of us. We won't speak of. Uh, what state he's from? It may, it may, may or not, may or may not border with this state, and they can't drive at all. I will tell you where he's from, right? Well, this is typical of Frankfurt. Now, why is that the case in Frankfurt? Because of state jobs, right? And so the city, as you've heard me say, nearly doubles during the weekday because people come in from from surrounding counties in during session, especially if it's a controversial session. Um, you know, like we're going to uh, change the. Uh, pensions of everybody, right? The city certainly doubles then, right? And uh, uh, I saw a few lobbyists today. There's not been a whole lot of lobbyists I've seen. Uh, under the previous governor, they were everywhere. Not just lobbyists, but teachers and Planned Parenthood and uh, protesters and all that. So the city nearly doubles. So you get a lot of people who come in. And I have found uh, in, in burials, I've done plenty of, of burials over here by Clark Legacy. I've done plenty at Frankfurt Cemetery and others. But I've done a lot where we leave the county. I recently went into uh, outside of Versailles. I can't think of that town. I've heard it before, and I finally went to it. Out in the middle of nowhere in Woodford County. Beautiful drive. What is it? None such. Yes, how can you forget that? None such, right? Uh, it, it sounds like uh, one of those towns you just make up a name. You know, oh, he's from none such a place, right? Um, and, you know, beautiful drive out there. Um, but that's typical, people traveling out. So we bury looking to the past. This is where I'm from. At this time, you're primarily burying looking to the future. I want my kids and grandkids to, to be buried uh, with me. And that is what Abraham does. But he has a problem. Nowhere to bury his wife, right? And, and in buying land to bury Sarah, this is the big idea, Abraham takes possession of the land. Now, it may be a corner lot, downtown. But he he takes possession of the land. This is the first time an Israelite owns property in the promised land. Now, that doesn't fulfill the big promise, but it's the start. And so Abraham is by faith saying, right here, we will possess the land and we will be buried here. Now, whenever I was in Breckerwich County, I was a young preacher who who thought he knew everything. And um, I thought it would be a good idea if we got some of our nearby churches together that, that in the middle of nowhere, we, we sold our properties, we combined our churches, found a strategic location in the county, and started over, right? And one of the members, none of them liked the idea, by the way, uh, but one of them, uh, they all vocalized it, I will say, but one said something that really stuck out to me. He says, that'll never happen here. Let me tell you why. This is home. Now, if you grew up in a small town, right, home is not a house. That's actually a difference between my wife and I. Amanda, Amanda, you know, they moved every time rent came due. So to me, a house and a home very much go together. To her, it's not. Home is tied to family, 
right? So wherever your family is, that, that's, that's where your home's going to be, right? And I remember I looked at this guy and said, look, let me, let me tell you from an outsider, right, which is not a good thing to be in a small town. I'm an outsider. Home is where you make it. And right now, we've chosen to make Breckenridge County our home. And now, Frankfurt is our home. And as long as we're here, we don't want to be anywhere else. We love Frankfurt. We love Breckenridge County, right? Um, and that's what Abraham is doing here. He, he's making Canaan his permanent home in a very real sense. So let's start here in verse 3. We'll just read as, as we go through. It's, it's a bit of a lengthy chapter. Hopefully, we can get through it. Abraham rose up from before his, his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property uh, among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sights. Uh, the Hittites answered, Abraham, here is my Lord. You are a prince of God. Among us bury your dead in the choices of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Let's just pause there for a minute. Now, again, in order to bury Sarah, he has to own land. You don't have a, com a communal uh, cemetery. Right? Have you noticed? Um, maybe you have it, uh, but but I've certainly noticed this being in the city and, and in rural communities. Uh Church cemeteries are uh, less common as they used to be. Think about Frankfurt, East Frankfurt, established in 1962, 60 years ago. We don't have one, never had one. If this church was planted in 1862, we'd have one. You know, I pastored a church before coming here, had a cemetery. Now, it wasn't our cemetery. But we were the only church in, in that little town called Glendine's, a ghost town, and nothing left because they took the factory and the... Uh, uh, railroad out uh, about 50, 60, 70 years prior. Um, and so people thought it was the Goshen Cemetery. No, it was the Glendine Cemetery. We usually, historically, one of our members ran it, but it was actually a communal cemetery. Uh, but the, the church I grew up in had a cemetery. The church my mother grew up in had a cemetery. The church my dad grew up in had a cemetery, I think, right? Uh, this was typical. Now, there's, part of, there's a good reason for that. People were more stationary, Right? You, you probably farmed the land your daddy farmed right, 100 years ago. It's not the case now. Think about how much we, we do travel. Um, and, and so you don't, have, you don't have communal cemeteries now. So you wouldn't have a Frankfurt cemetery, Hebron cemetery. What you have is a family cemetery. I told you all I was trying to find the uh, Richard Shuck cemetery when I published the book about the guy who's hung on, on mom and dad's property. And it's, uh, he, he's probably buried somewhere outside Gratz around Brown's Highway. You'll never find it. Never. I, I'm just at some point they'll, they'll they'll dig a hole and maybe find someone, but um, I don't think you'll you'll ever be able to find it. Very differently here, he 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 can't bury his wife without land that he owns. Now, does your Bible say Hittites or son of Heth? And there in verse three, just curious. You got Hittites. You want to have sons of Heth? What translation are you using? King James, the King James, right? So we all agree that Sons of Heth is the correct. Okay, we'll move on. No, there, there is this, some, some debate here, right? Um, and there, so it's likely that the Sons of Heth are the Hittites, but there is debate. Some will say the Hittites weren't in this part of Canaan at this time of Abraham. There is some archaeological evidence that they were. So that's why your translations are struggling with this. It, it could be the Hittites, but a different Hittites. By the way, about 100 years ago or less, people, uh, critics said the Hittites didn't exist. Well, now there are scholars who can speak their language, right? I mean, that's sort of the way um, archaeology has, has gone. But you'll notice there is uh, he intends on buying a burial plot. 
Um, and this would have ramifications for future generations. You buy this land, and it becomes your, your son's land and his son's land, right? Uh, so this is, has huge implications. Um, and so verse 5 and 6, they offer him. Now notice, what they offer him is a tomb. You can have any tomb you want. Now this is a reminder that Abraham is a sojourner. He's in the promised land, but it's not his land yet. He's surrounded by uh, uh, pagans, surrounded by Canaanites, and they offer him a tomb. But what he wants is more than a tomb. He's not looking for a burial plot for his wife. He's looking for land by which he and his descendants will will be buried. Now, uh, verse 6, does your translation say a prince of God among us, or does it say a mighty prince? Got mighty prince? Um, Mine says a prince of God. Uh, I think... Um, I could be wrong here. I think mighty prince is the literal translation, I think. Um, but it's, it's, it's how the Hebrew works, and trying to put it in English is a real challenge. Regardless, you see that even though Abraham is an outsider, which is a big problem in the ancient Near Eastern world, you don't want to be an outsider. Um, he is well-respected by everybody, and rightly so. Remember, if you go back, Abraham is the guy... He's a chieftain, right? He's got his own little tribe here, his own little community. He's the guy that rounds up a, a, an army and saves Lot, but he defeats uh, the armies that defeated Solomon and Gomorrah and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he's, he's a real warrior. Uh, God is doing an amazing thing. Yeah? I think it says that 315 of those were people that were his people. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and he wasn't afraid to use it. Yeah. Um, and he was someone who, who earned the respect of his community, right? So that probably means he, he didn't get on Facebook very regularly. Um, and you see uh, in, in uh, 7 to, to 9, uh, Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. Verse 8, he said to them, if you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me, Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Burying place. He doesn't want a tomb. He wants land. All right? uh, so he wants a more permanent location. Uh, now, uh, you see that uh, also notice he brings in a mediator. Now, why in the world would you want a mediator? Uh, well, I think it should be obvious, right? If you have two people making a deal, they both have their own interests. And they are both are wanting to rip off the other, right? I mean, we, we get this, right? So if you're, if you're going to buy a piece of property and I'm buying it, I want it cheap. If you're the seller, you want it expensive. You're both trying to rip the other person off. And we have mediators all over the country, right? If, if in real estate, you have real estate agents, Right? In, in, in other cases, you, you may have lawyers and, and uh, mothers or whatever it might be. A mediator is a great way to where someone who, who has both parties' interests involved um, or are bound by some ethical, moral, and legal uh, 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 standards, right? And they uh, make the arguments together. So when we bought our house, we went to our real estate agent. We said, this is what we can do. This is where we want to start the negotiations. He eventually comes back a day or two later. He says, look, this is the best deal you're going to get. Take it or leave it. 
And we thought, okay, that's within the, our range. Let's do it, all right? Now, probably how you bought land or a house or, or a car, right? Um, you, you probably with that sales weasel, you wish you had a mediator, you know, probably, right? Um, and it uh, gets, gets quite frustrating, doesn't it? Um, we get sales weasels that call the church all the time. Um, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, so he has a mediator here, uh, Ephron, the son of Zohar. Um, and he wants the cave of Machpelah. Now, Machpelah means double or portion. Uh, and maybe you have a footnote helping you there. This right here, this cave, this it's more than a cave. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lot, if you will. This becomes the first bit of property the Jewish people will ever own. This right here. All right? So you can imagine this is a very important part, uh, a piece of land in the Jewish story. And this is a story I'm willing to bet that most of us just don't even think about much. I'm guilty of that. Okay, Sarah got buried. Moving on. No, no, no. Paul's here. In, in, in the broad mend narrative, go all the way back to Genesis 12. This is your land, Genesis 15. Look at the stars, and, 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 and I'm going to have you walk around the land. This, this will be your descendants' land. And right here, upon the tragic death of his wife, God begins to unfold in very real sense that promise. And so just like the Garden of Eden was to be expanded, right? You the work the ground, expand the border, so too Abraham's going to start with this little piece of land and he he is going to expand its borders. Now it's going to take a lot of work, including exile, slavery, and exodus, and and a lot of warfare with Joshua. But eventually that little piece of land that he's come to own will will will, will be theirs and then Saul and David and Solomon will, will expand on that land, right? So this is a very big, big moment. Verse 9, he promises to pay full price. He's not going to rip anyone off. Uh, he's not going to cheat. He's going to pay full price. And as we're going to see, it's very possible he paid more than full price, right? I mean, it's almost like the uh, uh, he represents the federal government. <laughs> you know, he's just going to spend more money what he has. But but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Verse 10, um, now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites of all who went in at the gate of the city. That word gate should stick out to you. This isn't how we function here. Right? Uh, the, in most cities, Frankfurt or Louisville, Lexington, Georgetown, wherever, the central power of the city is downtown area. Ointons like this, right? You're not going to find the county's courthouse in Gratz or or, or, or Glencoe. You're not going to find it. You're going to find it in Ointon, the county seat, right? And, and so it's downtown Ointon. Downtown Ointon is, is uh, two and a half streets, I think. Um, and, and, but that, that's where, so that's the way, way we do it. Um, in, and so it's not an accident that the state capital is downtown Frankfurt and all of our, our courthouse and all that is downtown Frankfurt. In ancient world, it was at the gate, uh, the gate was the center of power, economic, political, all of that. And, and uh, uh, business, judicial, all of that is right there. So in Genesis 19.1, you remember the story of Lot. Now, I can't put these up on the screen. We're still having an issue with, with the computer. So remember, the story of Lot is Abraham gave him a choice of land, and he chose the land uh, that he thought was like the Garden of Eden, and he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember, he pitches his tent outside the city. Next time we see him, Lot is inside the city. And not just inside the city, he's at the gate, Genesis 19.1. So it's not just that he is in the city because the, the, it is a pretty good tax rate, I guess. 
but he's part of the city's influential culture, right? He's a businessman, maybe, uh, a, a politician, and I don't know, whatever it is. Um, same thing in Ruth chapter 4. Remember the story of Ruth. Uh, Boaz says, I'll be your kinsman redeemer. But first, we got a legal issue we got to deal with. And so he meets with the closest kins, and, and they have to go to the gate of the city. And that's when they take off one sandal and they trade it or whatever it was. You know, um, it's, it's weird to us, but that happened at the gate. One other reference to give you. Uh, the Proverbs 31 man. Now, we usually think of the Proverbs 31 woman. But the husband is all over that chapter. And I don't know if I've preached it here, but I know at Goshen I preached the Proverbs 31 man sermon for Father's Day or something like that. And one of the things we see about him, Proverbs 31, 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. What is he saying there is, is well, he's a man of influence. He's a man of character. Uh, uh, you know, and, and so it isn't just the sort of person she is. It's also in the proverb, sort of person he is. Remember, Proverbs 31 is written to a man, not to a woman. King Lemuel writing to his son. Right, and, and so he's saying, look for a woman like this. Strive to be a man like this. Right. Um, so here they they, they gather at uh, the gate, the hearing of the Hittites. Um, what you have then is a public hearing, if you will. Right, and you think today uh, everything is public. Right, so so you can get on uh, the uh, PVA website of Franklin County, uh, and you can track people down. I've done that. Uh, since we're recording, I won't give you an example uh, or examples, but you can do that. You know, um, you can look up by property, you look up by name. Uh, that's public information. You could go back a hundred years ago, and you can find information of who owned a tract of land. That's public information. A court of law is a public event. Right? That's why you can have cameras in there. It's public information. So when there's a crime. You know, the detectives will say, I can't comment on an open investigation. In the trial, it's no longer, you know, hush, hush. Everything's open, right? Uh, the same thing here. This transaction is, is an open thing. So it's in the hearing of the sons of Heth, the hearing of, of the Hittites. Um, and these are likely citizens with what we would call voting rights. I don't know if they actually voted back then or not. Um, but they would have some influence. So probably not just everybody, the way we think of it today. Uh, let's pick up there in um, verse 11. No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land. He said to Ephraim in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. So, on the one hand, Ephraim, Ephraim seems to be a good businessman. I don't know. He, he, I, think, I think he can smell a deal from a mile away, right? And the Hittites say, well, we want to be generous to you. And Abraham responds with, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy it straight out, right? And part of that could be, I don't want it said the Hittites gave the land, but that the Lord provided the means for the land, and so he, he's insisting, I'm, I'm going to buy this land, um, and, and you're going to sell it to me. This, this will be ours. Um, that is the, the Hebrew people. Go down to uh, verse 14. Ephraim answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Now, um, there has been 
a significant amount of ink spilt over these verses. I think unnecessarily. I think a lot of it is we're not being honest with how little we actually know. All right. So, uh, well, let, 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 uh, we'll come back to it. So, he offers to sell it for 400 shekels um, of silver. Now, when you and I read this, we think, I don't know what a shekel is. Whatever. And then you move on. Um, Bible nerds, um, they, they study these things, and we're grateful for them, right? Because shekels are all over the Bible. And so what we do is we try to compare what did Abraham pay 400 shekels for, for this land, and what did other real estate deals or real property deals, what did they sell for, and can we compare? If you do that, Abraham got ripped off. Okay? He's just buying a small piece of land. Okay? Um, and the average field cost, uh, according to some commentators, were four shekels per acre. And a garden land would cost 40 shekels per acre. He spent 400. Okay? Now, let's see if we can come up with a verse where we can compare it, right? This is what you do in real estate. So your value of your home is not what you think it's worth. It's less than that, okay? I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, right? The value of your home is really what uh, your homes in your neighborhood have sold for most recently. And it's, it's comparables, okay? So 1 Kings chapter 16 says, Omri purchased the entire site of Samaria, bought all of Samaria for 6,000 shekels of silver, Okay, so you have an entire city, the capital city of, of the northern tribes, 6,000 shekels. Abraham here buys, and this is generations prior, buys a small piece of land for 400 shekels. And you can see why people think this is a bit of a ripoff. Now, that is a very possible reality. And Abraham seems okay with saying, I'll give you whatever you ask. Uh, the Lord has blessed me and I can afford it, which that must be nice, right? <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, oh, let me give you another example. Jeremiah, prior to, uh, um, prior to uh, leaving, uh, prior to the Babylonians coming and taking over, he buys a piece of land as an act of faith. He buys it from his cousin, um, an entire field for 17 shekels of silver. Okay, so that's probably a better comparison. 17 for Jeremiah, 400 for Abraham. Now, it is possible that Ephron's making a pretty good profit. Um, I watched a documentary recently. The family were seeing the in-laws yesterday, so I had plenty of time in my hands. It was a documentary about the uh, Beanie Baby craze. Y'all remember that from the 90s? Boy, the 90s, man, we were spoiled. Right? We weren't worried about communists or terrorists or Twitter. I mean, it was nice back then. I mean, the worst thing we had was the rise and fall cost of comic books, baseball cards, and Beanie Babies. And that, that's, that's nostalgia right there. That's, that's what we need to go back to, brother, right? Well, uh, you, 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 uh, you remember that when you started out, Beanie Bay was $5. But then that created a secondary market to where you may buy a Beanie Bay for $5, but if you're on eBay, this is the days of eBay, you know, mid to late 90s, you may have to pay $50 for it, sometimes thousands of dollars for a Beanie Baby. Anyway, I have a Beanie Baby in my office. It's a Razorback. It's a Hulk because I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan. And, and it was given to me when I was a big Razorback fan, and I still got it. You can have it if you really want it that bad. The tag is not on it, and, and so that means it's not a protected tag. 
It's not worth anything on the market or period, right? It's a plush toy, okay? The, you remember the McDonald's Beanie Babies, the little things? Y'all were crazy over them things. It was, there, the anointing was a uh, little pharmacy. I remember uh, I was with a friend of mine whose mom took us there. You know, we, we had to go wherever she sent us. She, she had a place in line to get a Beanie Baby, right? They were about to release a new Beanie Baby. What she paid was absolutely ridiculous. That's neither here nor there. The point is, uh, there are economical factors that affect price, right? And so um, what was $100 50 years ago could be $1,000 now, okay? Whereas 100 years from now, if the market crashes, could be $100 again. So it's not fair when you're looking at various cultures and, and times and generations to say this compares to that, okay? Um, and that's, that's the big idea is, is we do have evidence of inflation in the Bible. I find inflation fascinating. Unfortunately, or unfortunately, we don't have to deal with inflation today. Aren't you glad? Uh, inflation is no more because we have really good sound physical policy at all forms of government. Aren't you glad? Boy, I'm just so glad that is, you know, the price of a Coca-Cola is the same today as it was yesterday. I'm just so glad for that. I'm just going to leave that there. 2 Kings chapter 6 is an example of inflation. There was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, that's not language we use today, okay? You're like, I did not come to church to talk about a dove's dung. No, no, you didn't, but here we are, okay? What it's describing is, is that scraps are, are now expensive. When there's a famine, supply drops, which makes the price skyrocket, right? That's the Beanie Babies. What Ty did was they started retiring Beanie Babies, which artificially made it skyrocket, People started buying comic books thinking in, in, in 50 years they'd be worth something. No, the problem is you flooded the market. So there was too much supply and not enough demand. So they're not worth anything. Basic economics. So the point is, and you'd be surprised how much ink is over how much Abraham spent. We have no idea if he got a good deal or not. You do with that information whatever you want. Okay? Again, read the commentaries, you'd be surprised. All right, real quickly, the burial of, of Sarah in uh, starting in verse 17. This concluding paragraph reads like a legal document. Uh, so the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it, all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area, was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. It sound like a legal document? You could cut that in half, right? Say, Abraham bought the land, he buried his wife, moving on. But it, it has all these little details. Now, I find real estate fascinating. Um, notice that it, it gives you the boundaries of this land. There are three ways you can, you can plot land legally, right? The first is called the rectangular survey system, fairly common. Most common, particularly in the city, is the uh, recorded plot method, also known as the lot and block system, right? So you probably have a lot, 
you know? And so the boundaries are very clearly defined, and there's probably markers. If, if, if you've kept the grass low enough, maybe you can find it, okay? And that is the easiest way so that you know exactly where your property begins and where it ends. So you're going to get that in the city. Not going to get that as often in rural areas, especially if you go back far enough. So um, many of you all know my ancestors were uh, early pioneers of Kentucky, and they were part of land speculation from Virginia into Kentucky County. And so I've tried to track down the exact land they've owned. I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't think you can do it. I've tried to do that with Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church, okay? You know, and, and you like, they've got records and stuff. Yeah, good luck, okay? Now, why is that? It's because they primarily used a system called meets and bounds, okay? So meets uh, measure distance and directions, Go up this way. Again, if you grew up in a rural community, you've heard this. Go up this way about four acres, turn left, right? And if you see a stream, you've gone too far, okay? Um, and bounds is um, some sort of reference, a fixed point. Streams, creeks, rivers, trees, technically not a fixed point, you know, long term. That tree will die at some point, okay? Some Alabama fan is going to be mad at an Auburn fan is going to poison it, right? For the two of you, you may get that reference. Um, rocks can be one. So you can say, all right, you're going to start here at, at, at Bob's Creek, you know, and you're going to go up, uh, you know, 30 paces northeast. You're going to come to uh, um, Bob's Rock, right? You know, the rock, you know, that, that's, 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 that's where uh, I met my wife, you know, and, and you're going to turn um, southwest as an eagle flies, I don't know, right? And th th that's it. So it gets really complicated. That's what this is, right? Now, one reference is important, and that's Mamre. You remember that when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, he makes a promise, leave Ur, I'll tell you the promised land. It's going to be your land, and I'm going to bless you. And those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. And you remember what's the first thing Abraham did after he received that blessing? He compromised it by trading his wife to Pharaoh in Egypt. He left the promised land. And then you remember what happened, right? He came back. He's like, my bad. To Pharaoh, my bad to God. I'll, I won't do that again until I do, okay? But he comes back and he plants himself by an oak of Mamre. And he, he builds an altar and he worships. You remember in Genesis and the Bible in general, when you see a tree or a plant or wood it is often of great significance. It is often there where the presence of God is with man. The Garden of Eden being the most obvious one. The, the uh, ark that Noah was on. You ever thought about it? I've shown you where the flood is decreation. So, so you get the waters filling the earth, right? It's Genesis 1-2. Uh, and then the story is you, you, you get light. The sun comes out to, to dry up the rain. And then you get the separations of the water as it recedes. It's day two. There's, that's why there's a big emphasis on the birds leaving, the plants coming out. So the birds bring out a plant in its mouth. And then uh, they, they walk out onto land and they take possession of the land. You remember what Noah's name is? What it means? Rest. So the boat came to rest. It came to Noah on Mount Ararat. And a guy named Rest, after he took possession of the land, rested. Right? And what did he do? He built a vineyard, a garden, and he sinned in that vineyard. You ever heard this story before, right? He's another Adam, okay? So, but the ark is a type of garden. You have animals of every kind, and they are named, 
right? The beast of the field and, 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 and birds of the air and all that, the borrow from Genesis 1, it is within the bounds of a tree, gopher wood. And there God draws them into the ark. So it's judgment wilderness on the outside. It is a garden on the inside, right? And so you get the oaks of Mamre in Genesis 12, Right, where Abraham plants himself, and there he, he, he finds God. We saw with, with uh, Abimelech that, that they, by the tree, they sign a covenant with each other. Right? It's a pattern you see throughout Genesis. So the writer wants to say that land that God brought Abraham to, he now legally has taken possession of it. So the story of Abraham has really come full circle. God has kept the initial promise, not only for a son, but for a land. Right here in this text. Yes, it's, it's, it's a weird read for us, but it's so, so important. Um, in his commentary on this, Constable says, Abraham's purchase of the cave of Machpelah indicates his continuing faith in God's promise to give the land of Canaan to him and his descendants. Similarly, Jeremiah purchased property in the promised land on the eve of the Babylonian captivity to express his belief that God would bring the Israelites back there eventually. One does not usually bury his family in the place unless he considers it his home and plans to be there a long time. This is an act of faith. And God honors it. You see the reference there in verse 19 and 20 that they bury Sarah. This is the, the end of the funeral. And what is significant to see is that future generations of the Israelites are buried right there. Right next to Abraham, right next to Sarah. Genesis 25, 9. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him, this is Abraham, in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, east of Mamre. So, so God buries him in the land, or in his family buries him in the land that God had given him initially. Genesis 35. And Isaac breathed his last. He died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. His sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. And the text makes it clear he was buried in Machpelah. Genesis 49, 31. Now Jacob dies. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. This is Jacob. And then in chapter 50, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan. Remember that they are in Egypt. They're not going to bury Jacob in Egypt. That is not their permanent home. The promised land is. And um, they buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah to the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, to possess as a burying place. One more reference worth noting here. Joseph dies. You remember what his last will and testament was to the people of Israel? Don't bury my heart in wounded knee. Bury me in the promised land. Here's Joseph who's made a home for the people of Israel, has all the power he could ever want. And he says, this is not where God would have us to be. Take my bones and you're going to bury me in the promised land. That land is ours. That's an act of faith because it wasn't theirs. It was the Canaanites. And so when Moses rounds up the people, he says, don't forget Joseph's bones. In fact, you could go to Egypt right now to a little town called Avaris. We've got a little bit of time. And you should look this up. We've shown a video about this before. And we have found a, uh, a pyramid. Avaris is what, what the Bible calls Goshen. 
It's, it's in Egypt, in a fertile place. We know that there were slaves there. There is a prominent pyramid there, and inside is a statue of a man who, who was designed wearing a, cult of, a coat of many colors, clearly is Asiatic, that is likely Hebrew from Canaan area. Those are Asians, in, Asiatic from, from that time period. We know that by his hairstyle and the color of his hair, not Egyptian, and the color of his skin, not Egyptian, clearly Asiatic. And when you, you look in, what's missing was the bones. Grave robbers don't steal bones. You can't sell them on eBay. Um, but the bones are missing. And I do think that probably is our best guess, the burial spot of Joseph in Egypt. Uh, you ought to look it up. Very, very fascinating. Um, but uh, the site is now known, this burial plot, is now known as Haram el Khalil. You can pronounce it better than I can, I'm sure. It is the traditional site for the burial. And there's some debates whether that is the actual site and all that. However, we do know... Despite debating the, the location, there's evidence that tombs tracing back to around this time did exist there. And so it is a prominent place, particularly for the Jews to say, you go there to this day. You ought to Google it. You know, get on Google Earth, you can plop right over it. Uh, or you can just Google it and you can see pictures of it and you can go travel there. I don't know if Danny and Susie went there or not when they were in Israel, but... Um, uh, you could go to what is the traditional location of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, uh, and, and uh, Rachel and Leah. They're right there. And what's the point of the story? The story is, is that God has fulfilled his promise to his people. And it began by an act of faith from Abraham. One of the last things he does, not the last, but one of the last things he does is he buys that land for his wife and for his future generations. That's living by faith. That's living by faith. And, and he does it. And he does it. And that land becomes the central point by which God redeems his people through Christ. That's, that's the good news. All right. Anything I missed? Anything you want to add? All right. Um, so we 